We'll get started this morning then, and uh, the folks can come in as they do come in. Um, we're down now as uh, we begin to look here at the issue, uh, we've been looking at the issue of tribulation, and uh, we'll start reading in verse 1 just to kind of get the, the, uh, the mindset here. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also. So we, we've seen the benefits of what we have. Now we're going to glory in some tribulation. And uh, we've been looking at the issue of tribulation Verse 3, also, knowing, and, and the fact is that we know something, and that we are to know some, some, something about the, the value and the worth of the tribulation. In verse number 3, not only so, but we glory, that issue of glory, the value, the worth, look, understandings what, what, what's going on in it. And when we begin to think about tribulation and we begin to think about it working, also knowing that tribulation worketh, patience, really the, the mindset there is that issue of what, does, what God wants to be accomplished here. Um, and what he wants is that the comforting work of the Holy Spirit, that's the issue of patience, and the expression of the life of his son, Jesus Christ, there's experience. And then the sustaining hope of that expectant glory that's coming our way. And there's the hope. So when we know some things about tribulation, then we can, we'll see as we go through this morning, uh, we're going to get one verse this morning, verse 4, okay? We're going to get one verse. But as we go through this and we see these that when you know something about tribulation, and you know what God's trying, what, what he wants accomplished in it, then you can literally make decisions in life a little freer because you're not worried about the, tribu the consequence, the tribulation, okay? Because what happens is, is our natural self says, don't do that because the moment we do that, what's going to happen? Everything's going to fall apart. But doing whatever it is is what needs to be done. Then what do we not worry about? All the stuff falling apart. Now, if, if we're going to go over here, like <laughs> Saturday, Ricky and I took out a little boat just to see, one, to make sure it was going to float, and two, to kind of check a few things. And we went out, and it was really rough with the wind, choppy, and, the, and there was a lot of people out there. What did they think it was? Saturday? You know, it's like, man, go home. <laughs> This is my lake. Go away, you know. But when you get, so we made the decision to do that. So what is the fallout from that? It sinks. And it didn't. Okay. All right. It came home. Okay. But see, so, but I wasn't worried about that. Because if it sinks, what what happens? Somebody will come, dig it up, and take it, pull it. It's no, it's not a, it's not a, oh my goodness, the end of the world thing. And, but if it I don't want it to sink, but if it does, okay. It's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way of thinking about life. And we're here in Romans 5, and Paul's laying in that, I told you, he lays in that outline of things 
in 6, 7, especially in 8. eight when we get over in chapter 8, we'll see these, these categories of suffering when we go down through chapter 8. And those are the details. We're not in 8 yet. We're in 5. And he's already talking to you about the way you think about life as a believer. See? So when you get into this understanding here, it, it, tribulation worketh patience. And we talked about patience last time. That issue, that power to endure. The, the power to cope, to, to endure without rage or complaint or discontent. Growing up in our house, we had the three C's. No criticize, complaining, or condemning. And if you didn't have anything to say, you better not be in those three C's. So we'd sit there and be quiet. And Mom's like, what's wrong? I can't say nothing. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I got something, I, you know. But he's like, it pay, without all of that, it's to have the calm tranquility of Ephesians 3.16. We looked at there where the Spirit works with his word in the inner man. And that tranquility of the inner man, that that comfort, that comforting work of the Holy Spirit working in our inner man in the, through the Word. That, that's why renewing your mind day by day, getting that in there every day begins to be the issue. God has produced an inner man fortitude where we can become dependent on the comforting ministry of the Holy Spirit through the Word. And that's what patient allows us to do. It allows us to turn to the one source of comfort, and that's the Scripture. So when tribulation comes up, when it, when it, when it bows its head, you, you can do one of two things. One, you can fall apart and give in to the natural reaction of your old flesh and just <laughs> fall apart. Or you can... Turn to sound doctrine, turn to truth, and rely on what the Scripture, what the Holy Spirit teaches us. So when you, and by the way, when you do number two, the comforting work of the the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to take specific verses and deal with specific issues. So what do you got to have in you then? The verses, so he has something to go use to go help. That's why reading three chapters a day, you know, your spiritual growth doesn't happen just on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or in a Bible study. Your spiritual growth happens, help happens and comes every time, every time you read the scripture. Okay, so we had those three R's, if you remember last week, the reality of tribulation, it's there, it's going to happen. We live in a sin-cursed creation. It's gonna come, you're going to make dumb decisions. And yay, if you decide to live godly, guess what's going to happen? You're going to suffer. It's just going to come. Now we're in the results. The first result is patience. That ability to endure. That ability to cope. That ability, the comforting work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you're here. Um, look over in chapter 15, Romans 15, sorry. Romans 15, verse number 4. Romans 15, verse number 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, 
by the way, written aforetime, all the Old Testament scriptures, the time past stuff, they're written for our what? Not obedience. Obedience is not in that verse. Romans 15, 4. Too often times, what do we do? We read something that was written aforetime and we go try and obey it. Uh uh-uh. uh. It's written there for our learning. And, and you understand that because you understand it on Monday night or on Wednesday night in, in the Matthew study, we begin to see things that the Lord is teaching Israel in Matthew that then Paul teaches us similar doctrine just applied to us and not without that law condition on it. It's there for our learning. By the way, you also know that God promised Israel he would, take, he would give them the kingdom and everything. What has he promised you and I? Same thing, just in heavenly places. See, So it's there for our learning. That we through patience, there it is, and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And it's that issue of comfort. So come back to chapter 5 here. Patience... The second result on the list now, verse 4, and patience, experience, and experience, hope. So the second result of the tribulation working is experience. And we can turn to God's word. By the way, you're seeing something happen here. You're seeing, you got tribulation it's going to work patience, okay? And then patience is going to work experience, and experience is going to work hope. You are seeing the natural progression of, edif- of the edification process right here in Romans 5 already. The, the natural progression. You can't get hope without having experience, and you have no experience unless you have patience. And guess what? You get none of it without the tribulation. So if you're looking for your Christian life to be easy-peasy, you're actually doing yourself a great disservice because you need the tribulation so then you can process and work and learn and grow, get some spiritual fortitude. I like that, fortitude, fort fortified through patience, experience, and hope. Okay? uh, So we have experience. Now, experience implies direct personal knowledge, a direct personal realization. Experience is just that. I what? I experienced it. I went through it. I, I, I... processed down through it. And experience becomes the wise use and application of the doctrine that we have learned. You're operating in what you know. If I don't know something, okay, then and I, and I come up onto a problem, what do I do? Last night, there's a little leak in the back end of the boat. It's on the transom, okay? So you know what I did? Googled how to fix the leak on an aluminum boat in the back of the transom. And it gave me a bunch of stuff, you know, million, two million pages. I'm like, I don't need that. I just need a few things. I just need a new, few ideas. And, but I didn't know how to fix it. 
So what do I do? Let's go look. I got my old truck, my 58. Phil and I took the body parts off of it, the rust and stuff. It's like, okay, take pictures, 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 pictures. Why? Because I got to put it back on. And guess what will happen? I'll, now, I won't have one screw left. I'll have like five left over, you know. I don't do one. I do the whole thing, you know. It's like, wait a minute. The whole thing's left over. What happened here? Well, you know, so, but what do you do? You learn. You experience it. You go through it. But then also, what do you do in that? You reach out to other people. See, that's where the, the local assembly comes in to where we'll see as we go. I'm a little ahead of myself. As we begin to begin to learn and to grow, guess what we can do? You've gone through things I've never gone through, and I might be going through them now, and what can I do? Hey, how did you get through this? That comes from the wise use and the application of the doctrine. Patience. Here we go. Relax. Don't panic. Go to the one source of true comfort, Scripture, the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. Then it says it works experience. And again, that skillful use of the truth, that personal realization of, the, of taking the Word of God off of the page. See, when you read, you get that into your inner man, into your thinking. Take that off the page and then go put it into a personal activity, basically what you're doing is you're personally realizing how the passage works. 1 Thessalonians 2, look over there, 1 Thessalonians 2, and, and then we'll go back to Romans 15, but 1 Thessalonians 2. So we'll talk about experience, and then hopefully we'll get to the hope, and if not, we'll do hope next week because of verse number 5, the connection there, but we'll get there. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Thessalonians, when he went into Thessalonica, Thessalonians and Galatians are the first early books that Paul wrote. Um, usually people say it was Thessalonians. I tend to believe it was Galatians. But um, they don't have 13 epistles from Paul when he shows up there. What they have is verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. So when, when they heard Paul preach, you know what they said? We never heard that before. That's got to be coming from God. But notice the rest of that verse. Which effectually worketh also in you that what? That believe. Now, the end of that verse, that the believe part is the hardest part. Because you'll read a verse, and you know what? You know it's God's word to you. And you're like, why isn't that verse working in my life? Right? We've all said it. You know why it isn't? You don't believe it. Well, I do believe it, Rick. No, you don't. Because if you believed it, then guess what would have happened? it would begin to work. So you have, come back to Romans 15. Romans 15. So you take the word, you put it in you, but then you believe the word. And this gets into what I was talking about a minute ago about making some choices. 
Listen, if God's word says tribulation worketh patience, then what is, God, what is God's word telling you tribulation is going to do? It's going to work. Well, no, it doesn't. It just makes it more. No, because you haven't adjusted your thinking to match God's word. That's why it's not working. You ain't believing it. If the black, if, if that, we're talking about uh, should, should believers go to war. We'll finish that up this morning, right? That verse says, thou shalt not kill. Right? Everybody, you know. What does the verse say? Thou shalt not kill. He's talking about first degree murder. That's what he's talking about. But what is it? So I'm out here killing people, but I, that verse ain't talking about me. It's all in self-defense. That verse talking about that. You just don't believe the verse. Now, Romans 15. Look at verse 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace where? In believing that the reason why the God of hope fills you with all joy and peace in believing is that ye may abound in what? In hope. Now, we're going to get to hope, but what gets us to hope is believing God's word, and we go and we personally realize God says his grace is sufficient. Is it? Are you sure? Then why do you struggle with it being sufficient? You don't believe it's sufficient. You believe you have to help it. You believe something else. When Paul says we have an abundant grace... Is it abundant, overflowing? Is it? God's word says it is. Come over to chapter 12. You see, folks, experience comes from personally realizing that what God says is true. By the way, when he says my grace is sufficient and this abundant grace, what he's saying is is it is truly all that you need. In life. You know? So when you come into the Word of God and He begins to give you instructions about things, what do we do? What's our natural old man do? Bows the back. It ain't going to work. I got to help him. And the next thing you know, you're down that aisle and God's grace is sitting back here going, Come back, come back. I'm over here. And you done took off that way. You know, it's not working. That verse never works in my life. Eh, just maybe you ought to stop. <laughs> Have a little patience. Get it into you. And get the experience there. You follow that? That's experience. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Now, we're not here yet. <laughs> okay? We're going to get there. By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a what? A living sacrifice. Now in Galatians 6, I'm I'm sorry, in chapter 6, we're going to find out we're dead. Now we find out we're living. Something's going on here. There's a change happening. But it's a change in our thinking about our position in Christ. And then a change in our thinking about our practice that we have in our life. Holy, 
acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may, what that, I love that word, prove. Here's the proof by trial. You're in the tribulation. It's coming up. It's happening. You're to prove. Go out there. It's like in geometry when you draw the circles and you've got to prove something, give the proof of it. You're going to go out there and you're going to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You're going to come. You know what you're going to do? You're going to prove the knowable. You know it's happening to you. You're going through it, and what do you also know? Here's the word of God that will help me get through that. So what am I going to prove? I'm proving the knowable. I'm proving that this is right. I'm proving that I'm going to take the word of God, and I'm going to apply it to the issue. I'm taking the sound doctrine in me. And you may say, but but Rick, I don't have that. That's okay. Yes, you do. It's right here. You just got to get in there and do what? Well, it says to transform by the renewing of your mind. You got to get in there and study it, get it out, reach out to people around you that have gone through it that are believers. Usually what happens is, is you reach out to people that you know and they give you the psychobabble, I call Okay, the positive thinking. This is nothing about positive thinking, reinforcement stuff. This is about knowing the truth and letting the truth be what is influencing your thinking. So when we talk about, when we come to experience, we're talking, come over to Hebrews chapter 5. We're talking about personally realiz- personal realization of the truth of God's word rightly divided, of sound doctrine working in your life. I have found it to be most helpful to look at someone and say, you know what, you're going through the same thing I'm going through and you made it out. How did you make that out? How did you get through that? And then shut up and listen to them. (laughs) Because what do they have? They have experience... They've had experience pulling the sound doctrine out and over and saying, here's how, these are the verses that work for me. It works. That's the one anothering. Hebrews chapter 5. Now the book of Hebrews is written to who? The Hebrews, the little flock. It's a parallel, it's a parallel epistle to the book of Romans. What Hebrews does for the little flock and the nation of Israel is what Romans does for us. Here's what Calvary means to you guys. Here's your identity. And it's very interesting. The terminology that Paul uses and the writer of Hebrews uses are, is what? Very similar. That's why everybody says Paul wrote Hebrews. Paul didn't write Hebrews. If he did, he's a liar to you and I. Okay? Because in Hebrews, you can lose your salvation if you don't continue on the way. Paul says, once you're saved, you're sealed, you're done. So how can he say two different messages? Doesn't work, okay? Just some things to scratch your head about there. Look at Hebrews 5. That little flock is going to be going into the 70th week. So guess what they're going to face? 
Tribulations like you and I never saw. Our worst day will be like a Sunday morning picnic to these folks. Okay? Chapter 5, look at verse 11. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be utter, uttered, seeing that ye are dull of what? Hearing. It's an interesting thing when you go and you, look and you study out Israel having their eyes blinded and being dull of hearing spiritually. Spiritually, where are they? They've, they're not paying attention to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're not paying attention to the doctrines of Christ, the, to the apostles' doctrine. They're, not pay, they're over here just trying to get along. Verse 12, for when, for, the, for when the time ye ought to be teachers, what should they have been doing? Teaching. Ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as having need of milk and not of strong meat. Where should they have been? They should have been the teachers that little flock should have been out there leading the way for the nation of Israel. But they weren't. They're over here enjoying milk and not strong meat. Now watch verse 13. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. What's a babe? What's a baby in Christ? What are they? unskillful in the use of the Word of God. They have not, in our case, talk about us, okay? <laughs> they have not what? Renewed their mind. They have not grown. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he looks at the Corinthians there, and he says, I, I want to give you the meat, but you're babes, you're, you're carnal, you can only handle the milk. Why? Because you're unskillful in using the Word. Follow that. They lack experience. When the baby, you know, we have a couple new babies running around here. Can you give that baby the keys to the car and say, go drive? No, and you wouldn't do that. But as that kid gets a little older, a couple years older, you throw her in a battery-operated car and watch her run through the tables and chairs. <laughs> what do they not know how to do? One, stop. Two, you know, what's going to happen. They, a child's, your children are usually called to be fearless, right? They don't have any concept of, they lack experience. Verse 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses Look at that word, exercised, to discern both good and evil. When you exercise something, what are you doing? You're working it, aren't you? You're working down through it. The tribulation comes, talking about Romans 5. The tribulation comes, and what do we do? We begin to use skillful use by Reason of use have their senses. You begin to work down through it. Here's the problem. Okay? 
We're going to go and we're going to do this, and this is the issue, and you're going to work down, okay, the ver- God's word silent on the subject. But it's really never silent. Because 1 Corinthians 10 says, you're going to go do, and 1 Corinthians 6, he goes over there, says, or 2 Corinthians, it's either 2 uh, I don't like giving you the wrong information. It's 1 Corinthians 6. It's the most frustrating thing when the mind... 1 Corinthians 6, verse number 12. That's the verse I was thinking about. You see, when you go to the Word of God, here's the problem. Okay, Lord, what's your Word say about it? And so you go look for that specific answer, the specific reason. And you can't find it. It just doesn't happen to be there. All right? But what does 1 Corinthians 6, 12 tell you? Also, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23, is a comparative passage. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. 1 Corinthians 10, 23, the end of that same verse, wording-wise, it just says at the end, edify others, edify not others. So what do I now know what to do? I now, those two verses help you make every decision in life, period, whether the Word of God gives you a specific answer or not. What is expedient? Expediency, what's in my best interest? Right? All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. If I make a decision, one, is it in my best interest? Two, does it put me under a bondage scenario? And in chapter 10, verse 23, will it edify others or not? Every decision, listen. You're going to go buy a car. Does God Almighty care which car you drive? Well, he might. He was all in one accord. <laughs> okay. Oh. He's going he's gonna to ride a Harley Davidson. We already know that. All right. Nah. <laughs> okay. Well, he did throw the legion into the hogs. So, anyway, boom. Okay. <laughs> but see, the thing is, is, does he really care what car you buy? No. So what do you do? Oh, my, where's the car? Carverse, carverse, carverse. No. What do you do? You sit down and you say, what's in my best interest here? Do I buy the Chevy? Yeah. Do I, what do I do here? Can I, what can I afford? There's the power, the bondage. See? And then if I show up, is it going to... Who's it going to make mad? <laughs> hey, goofy, I bought another Chevy. Look at that. Right, 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 right. You know. I, it's interesting. I, go back to Romans 5. <laughs> you, you, see, you see, folks, the reason of use, there's the need for the experience. And you engage the sound doctrine in every detail of life. I just did it with the buying a car. We just used two verses that help you understand the answer to... Every question in life that floats in the gray area. What's black and white? Do this, the verse says. Don't do that, the verse says. Those are black and white. What's in the middle area, the gray area? 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians 10 help you answer those questions where the scripture is silent. Because you know what he wants you to be? 
He wants you to be an adult. An adult. That's what he wants you to be. He wants to sit there and watch you as an adult make decisions in your life based on the sound doctrine and his word. Even when it is buying a car. Now, I can go out and buy the Jaguar F260 convertible two-door. It's just Linda and I. We don't need the kids anymore. You know, it's a $150,000 vehicle. Right? I can buy it. I just don't. Paying for it will be a different question. <laughs> so what do you don't do? You just watch it on the showroom floor and go, ooh. Not that I care about a Jaguar. I just saw one the other day. It's, you know. Experience. We don't quit. Tribulation comes on us. We don't quit. We keep going. But, we, but I'll be honest with you. We need to let ourselves make mistakes. This is the hardest part. Because usually what do we want to do? We don't want to look what? Weak. So we don't let ourselves make mistakes. When you have the proper thinking about tribulation and what it's designed to work, you know what you know? It's not the end of the world. When my guys were my kids were learning to drive, I told them I don't care how many lights you run red. I don't care about how many stop signs you don't stop at because you're going to get a ticket. There will be a policeman. That's the Jordan Luck. What I don't want you to do is hit anything. Don't hit the empty garbage can. Don't hit a parked car. Don't hit, because what happens when you hit stuff? It hurts. Don't hit anything. Now, if you hit, and then I would tell them, now, if you hit something, it's not the end of the world. We'll get through it. Right? Right, kids? Yeah. No, okay. See. <laughs> All right. Thank you. But, see, the thing is, is how do you get to it's not the end of the world? Experience. Patience. You guys with me? See what Paul's doing here? You don't have... It's a reason... You, it's a skillful use by reason of use of the Word of God. And I'll be honest with you folks, that's why we need the Word of God. And that's why we need each other. There's a great push today in Christendom and in the church to do away with the Word of God. To have it pop up on the screen for you not to have to worry about bringing it to church. For it to flow up there, just look to the screen. I'm not even talking about they use a different version. I'm just talking about they're moving away from having the word even involved in church anymore. They've gone completely to the positive thinking stuff and all of that. But wait a minute. How, <laughs> I've read the positive thinking stuff, and it's like, wait, that doesn't help. That only helped me in the moment. I need something that's going to do what? Last for a little, for eternity. And we need each other. Again, you've experienced things in life that I've not. I might. You're, you be there to help me go through it, and I can help you. That's Second Corinthians 1. That's what Paul's talking about. 
Then in verse 4, patience, experience, and experience, hope. And hope now moves us to higher ground, to a pedestal in our thinking that only is there in an adult mindset. We all have hope. We're growing. We are, again, witnessing the advancement and the growth of the edification process. That natural development. Tribulation works patience, patience experience, and experience hope. And this is the late stage of our development as adults. In Romans, he's introducing it. When we get over into chapter 12 to 16, we're moving on in it. We're getting the details. What happens when you age? What begins to happen? A little more patience, a little more, or a little less patience, a little more experience, right? But hope becomes the, the factor. That expectation, that, that strong, resolute expectation of a future certainty. That's hope. Strong, resolute expectation of a future certainty. That's why I said we all, we all understand how we have hope. We have a home where? In the heavenly places. We understand that. We, we get into it. Tribulation comes. It's real time. <laughs> it's right here. Patience teaches us to do what? To endure it. To go to the one source of comfort, of the sound doctrine from the Holy Spirit. Comfort that, that comes from believing what God says to us. That then begins to develop in us a dependency upon Scripture and the Word of God. Then that begins to, that dependency begins to develop a, a, an opportunity to move over and to wisely apply the passages to the details of life. There's experience. And then experience leads us into hope. And hope is where I can willfully choose to make a choice in life that will deliberately result in tribulation. So now you are a... Um, I just had the word. It doesn't matter. Now you're in trouble. <laughs> Because what are you, that's, folks, that's hope. That's real hope. hope. Hope is more than saying we're looking for that blessed and glorious appearing of our great Savior. Hope comes along and says, you know what? We know about our future. We know our future is secure. Why? The Word of God says it is. It's right there. It's mine. I can understand it. This past summer we've been to heaven. We've been looking all over the heavenly places. We know that. And I, I'm sure... I have a resolute, confident expectation of the future. So you know what I can do? I can now prioritize my life. I can structure my life so I don't have to avoid trouble. I can come along and I can look at life and I can know that my choices may bring tribulation. And you know what? That's okay. It's not the end of the world. 
Guess what I get to do if it happens? I get to use the word and the sound doctrine and experience and I can have patience in it and I can do this this way. I can, you know, I can, man, I can just, I can enjoy life as the ambassador for Christ. I can order my life in such a way that if suffering comes, guess what? It's okay. I don't have to have it. You know, roses. I can have the thorns, and it's okay too. Come over to Romans 8. And this, I tell you what, folks, this is a radical way to think about life. Nobody thinks about this. You go to the average church today, and what are they trying to do? They're trying to get you away from your trouble, aren't they? Health and wealth mentality. Get, boy, if you do that, then boy, it's going to, so let's not do that. Let's do this. You know what Paul's saying? Do it. Do that. How many of you, don't raise your hand, you'll embarrass yourself, have given the gospel to someone in, the re, in recent time? If you have, you real quickly find out how the world thinks about that gospel message. Do they love it or do they hate it? They hate it. All right, I'm not going to say that no more. I don't want to be hated. That's how we think. What a reaction. Man, when you get that, the way to think about the reaction you get is, okay, I'm getting somewhere. (laughs) Man, when they blow up, it's like, okay, I hit a nerve right there, baby. I'm coming back for more of that. It's a complete, it's a psycho mentality. You know? You just look at it and you go, I'm going to, hey, have you talked to your religious friends about right division? What kind of reaction do you get there? You know what you've done? You hit a nerve. Go hit the nerve again. But usually our natural response is, is I want them to like me, so guess what we won't talk about? Well, we just won't, we won't talk about religion and politics. No, dude, jump in there. Talk about it. It's a mentality, it's a, you know, com- Ray, Ray Keeble one time called it combat mentality. Just get it. We're going to war. Let's go. We're in a fight here. Let's get on with it. Romans 8, verse 24, about hope. Talk about hope here. Now, again, we're not here yet. We're not in Romans 8 yet. We're still in Romans 5. We're in the baby stage. We're just getting this, I mean, can you imagine the moment you got saved as somebody came along and gave you Romans 5, and you're like, think about tribulation, how? You know, as the little boy always said on the TV, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> You'd be looking at them like they're nuts. But Paul did, he jumped right in there. We just come out of chapter 4, the great faith chapter. We just come out of the courtroom of Romans 1, 2, and 3 where everybody's a sinner, and here's the propitiation act. So you, 5-1, therefore being justified, you are justified. And then he dumps, hey, you're going to have trouble. And guess what you're going to do with it? You're going to learn how to enjoy it. Thank you for my justification, but I am out of here. <laughs> you know? Paul just right with it. Roman, verse 24. For we are saved by hope. 
Now, the salvation there is not justification. The salvation there is from the consequences of living in a sin-cursed creation. Verse 18, 19, 20, and so forth. Okay? You're saved by hope. What do we know that God's going to do to the sin-cursed creation we live in right now? What's he going to do to it? He's going to liberate it, isn't he? He's going to set it free. He's going to come along and he's going to put it back to the way it was originally intended to be. We know that. We, boy, what great hope in that, isn't there? So when something happens, you can say, what? All right, well, it's part of the sin-cursed creation. And, you know, Ricky called this morning, his battery's dead. Guess what happens after a few years in the desert with the battery? So what do you do? Call mom and dad and they pick you up and go to church. <laughs> no, what are we going to do this afternoon? Take the battery out, go to AutoZone, get a new battery or wherever. Can't go to Sears anymore. I always like Sears, but you can't. They went away. But that's what you're going to do, right? You're not, it's not a chicken little, the heaven's fault. You just move on. Verse 24. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope? You know how a human viewpoint works? By sight. They have to see it. You and I, we're to, we are, we're to have hope because we see the unseeable. And that takes an advanced level of spiritual maturity to move out of walking by sight to walking by faith. That's why I wrote adult out there. Because spiritually now, we're moving up the ladder. Come over to Second. Corinthians chapter 4. You see, human viewpoint says your tribulation is going to get you. And what happens then when you walk by human viewpoint is you, tribulation causes discouragement. Gets you down. Says, I don't want to do that. I'm going to make a decision to go do this. <laughs> It's over there. I'm over here. I'm not, I can't see it, you know. And you know what? We're not to act like that. We're to say, you know what? I see the unseeable here. Watch it happen. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessel, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Do you know why he puts it in an earthen vessel? You remember the potter's the clay the potter back there in Jeremiah and the potter's house and all that, and he makes that vessel and it's marred and what does he do? Breaks it. You know why this 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 stuff, he puts it in an earthen vessel because your old self's got to be broken for the power to be who of God, not of us. Second Corinthians or 2 Corinthians twelve last week we were looking over there. Three times Paul says, remove the thorn and the flesh. And he says, my grace is sufficient. And Paul says, yep, you're right. Thank you for the reminder. I'm going to glory now in my, my infirmities. <laughs> and you go, oh, man, how? He was reminded. That's what, Paul, that's what Paul's doing. Verse 10, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our 
what? Body, the end of verse 11, in our mortal, that earthen vessel has to be broken so that the life of Christ can come out. Now notice in verse 10, notice the first word, always. Paul, talking here about God's grace, talking about the provisions that are already available. They're already on board. And he says, always. Paul has made a willful choice to always, every place he goes, he's bearing the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just on Sunday, or Friday night Bible study, or Monday night Bible study, or Wednesday night. Always. Isn't that interesting? He made a willful choice. Verse 15. For all things are for your sakes. I love that. All things, by the way, are, is the list. Verse 8, 9, 10, 11. That's the list. That's the all things. That the, what kind of grace? Abundant grace. It'll work. It's sufficient. Enjoy it. Access it. Use it. <laughs> Through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. Now, the thanksgiving of many. You know, the Corinthians were not thankful. <laughs> Through the thanksgiving. The, the proper motivation. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. He's talking about his choice in verse 10 of always bearing about. He's talking about his choice of enjoying the abundant grace with thanksgiving. He's talking about glorying seeing the value and the worth of what's going on in his life. And you know what he says? What do we know? The outward man does what? It's going to go away. Because what do we understand in our hope? That future expectation of a new body. We know that. Then he says, renewed, that the inward man, that's the only guy you're taking with you when you go to heaven is the inner man. You take your soul and your spirit and you go to the third heaven. When the rapture happens, your inner man is the guy going. So what you put in the inner man is what's going to last for eternity. Seems a little critical to be putting in stuff in the inner man. Your spiritual development is weakened if you only are edified on Sunday and Wednesday night, Monday night, and so forth, it's an everyday ordeal. That's why I encourage you three chapters a day. Three chapters a day. Why? Because it const Folks, I tell you what, if you read Paul's epistles every month, 28 days, three chapters a day, 12 times a year, your life will be radically changed. I'm not talking about studying. I'm just talking about reading. Verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Look at Paul's perspective here. 
he gloried. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He made a choice. And again, only adults do this. What do babies do? Why, why, you know, that why question. Why, why? They, babies can't do this. Adults do this. Where they come along and he made a choice to look at the suffering, to look at the tribulation in the moment. It's just a moment in time. But it does what? It works for us. By the way, it works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight. Eternal weight. I think about that word weight. When you go through the light afflictions, and it's just for a moment, they are what? Weighty, though, aren't they? Now, in our reality, several weeks ago I showed you the verse where, where you know, Paul, God, for us, it's already done, but yet we have to get there. <laughs> we haven't lived through it. In the moment, it, it is not like a moment. It's, it seems like forever, you know. Did this summer go by fast for you or go by slow? It went by real slow for me, okay? I don't know why, but it's just like, are we done with August yet? <laughs> okay? But for some of you, it went by like that. But the clock ticked the same for both of us. It's what? Perspective. Paul's perspective is, is this, this tribulation that I'm going through, it's going to work for me out there in glory. Why? Because I can, by patience, go to the one source of God's word, get the doctrine. I can bring that doctrine into my reality. Get the sound doctrine. Bring that into my reality. Realize it. Bring it off the page and into the details of life because I'm sustained by hope. That's an adult perspective, if you will. Verse 18. He, he doesn't... And, and by the way, it works for a far more weight of glory. What we do now impacts eternity. You always kind of remember that. <laughs> Might keep you out of the bars enough. To, you know, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Might keep you out of trouble. Okay. Look at verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Not seen. I willfully make a choice, make a decision that no matter what happens, it's all going to be okay. So when I look at life and I've got to make decisions about things, I'm not worried about the fallout. I'm worried about being true to who I am in Christ. Okay, now come over to Hebrews. We got like four minutes to do another ten minutes of stuff, but come over to Hebrews 11. Just real quickly, this great hall of, of faith here. There's some interesting things here about this thing about not seen. The things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Look at Hebrews 11, look at verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things, what? 
not seen as yet. They'd never seen rain. Now it's going to rain. But by faith, what did Noah do? He did what he was told. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. He didn't know where he was going. He just went. Why? God's word told him to go. Verse 10, for he looked for a city which hath, found, hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He's what? What's he doing out there? He's looking for a city. He hadn't seen it yet. He's looking for it. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Isn't that interesting? They didn't receive it, but they knew what? They knew it was coming. Verse 27, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is, what? Invisible. Wow. Come back to chapter 6. That, boy, I just, that testimony of faith with these guys. Hebrews 6, verse 18. Not seen, looking for it. Can't find it. It ain't there. He endured. How did he endure? Having seen him that is invisible. That's a man, that is faith. That's how this works. Uh, 618, that by two immutable things in which it was possible for God, I'm sorry, impossible, possible, impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Things in life, can fool you. That's what he's talking about here. Okay? When he says there, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Do you know that your eyes can deceive you? Life can fool you? Make you think something when it's not? But who will never lie to you? The Word of God. When God tells you what reality is, guess what? That's what is reality. Your flesh will lie to you. It'll wish something. It'll pop something up there. But God, he said, you know what? Lay hold. Get a grip of, etern- of your hope. Get a grip of it. Hold on to it. He'll never lie to you. Verse 19. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast and which entereth into that within the veil. You have a hope as a what? As an anchor. We were sitting out on that boat yesterday. We didn't have an anchor. When you think about an anchor, what happens with an anchor when you lay it over the side? It falls silently into the dark. You know it does not have a job. There's no mechanical thing to it. It's just a piece of hunk of iron, and it drops. And it sits there. It just rests in the dark until what happens? Until the boat gets moved. 
and it gets tossed. What then does the boat do in the tossed sea? It pulls on the anchor, doesn't it? But yet, what does that anchor do? It digs into the ground, doesn't it? It doesn't have job like in you know, mechanical thing. It just sits there and it digs in. And the harder the boat pulls, the deeper it digs. Boy, what a hope. It's the anchor of the soul. When things get going, what's your hope do? Digs in. Gets deeper. In the realm of our inner man, the more you try, the more the anchor digs deeper. By the way, silently and in the dark. Doesn't come up for glory. That's why when you lose the anchor over the side of the boat, you know, you didn't tie it off. <laughs> I've done that before. You go, oh, no. It's a key component. You see, folks, when you come back here to Romans 5, we're on high ground here. It isn't easy to make choices that cause problems in life. But as an adult, hope is the anchor that just digs in deeper in your life. That's why he'll say verse 5, and we'll do verse 5 next time, and hope maketh what? Not ashamed. He's going to look to Timothy over there, and he's going to say, Timothy, don't you be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, the message, nor of me, his prisoner, the messenger. Don't you be ashamed. You go make life decisions not worrying about the fallout, but, but doing it based on who you are in Christ, that inner man, fortitude, spiritual maturity, hope. Because that's the anchor that anchors up the soul, that just digs in deeper because those waters get choppy in life. And what holds that boat in the mooring? The anchor does. Hope does. Because what are we doing? We're bringing in the sound doctrine and we're working it out in the moment, aren't we? Get the experience. Because I got the hope. And then, by the way, when that same problem comes back, because doesn't stuff just kind of make a circle back to you? The time spent here, the second time through, is much quicker. Because what happens is, as you go, I've been here, done this, I got this, I know this one, bam, here's the verse. And then the next time through, you don't even, it's not even a speed bump anymore. It's just smooth sailing. Then you see it coming. Now you see the trip, ah, just stay over there, I, I don't need you. And you just keep moving, and you keep going. You follow that? I hope you do. We're on high ground here, and we're in Romans 5. Because we're talking about moving you from a babe and just being justified to an, a grown adult. Now, Paul, again, he's laying out the outline. We don't have all the details yet. We'll get that in 6, 7, and 8. We'll get it over in 10, 12 to 16. We're just getting these details of... When he says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have, you have this. It's already on board. You just got to, by faith, access into this grace wherein we stand. Got to get it. Okay? 
All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the patience, the experience, and the hope that you have given us the equipping to handle the details of life in these areas. And as we look next time at the love of God shut abroad in our hearts, that we'll just understand the full realm, the full picture of it all. We'll give you the praise and the glory in that. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.